0: Welcome to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. With over 150 years of experience and deep industry knowledge, Weber Wenzel is the leading full service law firm on the African continent.
1: Welcome to our listeners and thanks for joining this discussion on sustainable finance. I am your host, Kushat Faisal a partner in the banking and finance practice at law firm Webel Wenzel. In February this year, I was invited to participate in an ESG breakfast roundtable hosted by Nedbank at the Bonds and Loans Africa Conference. I went to the roundtable a little jaded about whether sustainable or green funding would have a real and meaningful impact on ESG objectives. And a part of me wondered whether this was just another branding and profiling exercise. I came away from this roundtable inspired and enthused. I found myself in a room of people, led by Avana Singh, Head of Sustainable Finance Solutions at Nedbank, that are clearly deeply committed to bringing change in a way which did not ignore commercial realities. I learned a new acronym from Irshad Wadvala, ESG Officer at of Equitas Property Fund, Triple P, which in my world ironically means profits per partner, but in this context stands for people, planet and profits. I was captivated by Relebechile Malachlatra, an executive in strategic finance and treasury at Barlow World. When she spoke about her challenges and ultimate success leading to the issue of Barlow World's gender-linked bond, I thought, this is a realistic and truthful approach and left thinking that I wanted to take a deeper dive into understanding the drivers behind sustainability-linked funding, against the backdrop of nominal pricing adjustments and the cost of infrastructure and resources required to comply with the targets set in sustainability-linked funding transactions. So I'm incredibly grateful to our our busy panelists, Avana, Relubukhile and Irshad, for taking the time to join me today. My guests on this podcast bring a diverse set of perspectives on sustainable finance, which I'm confident will lead to a very balanced dialogue. So, shall we start with a question for Ivana? Ivana, speaking to us from the bank perspective, what do you think are key drivers for sustainability linked funding?
2: Morning, Kashit, and thank you very much for that introduction. To get to your answer quite quickly, you know, as a bank, we recognize that. The financing decisions that we make and the various services and products that we offer has an influence in shaping the economy. And with this in mind, structuring sustainability-linked solutions enables us to leverage the mainstream commercial finance lever in a manner that can bring about positive impacts. Positioning these type of solutions with our clients has also unpacked that our clients are also looking for ways in which they can embed their sustainability objectives and values into financing and ultimately this has provided a a good symbiotic relationship which enables us as a bank to provide a, a, a financing product which is relevant but also enable our clients to attach some of their strategic objectives and values and goals into this and ultimately together we can move sustainability forward.
1: Thank you, Ivana. Um, if I can turn to Irshad for a moment, speaking to us from a borrower perspective and uh, particularly being in the property sector, what has your key driver been for sustainability-linked financing?
0: I think um, we had already been on a sustainability journey and we felt that it would be, um, it would be important for us to demonstrate accountability and also our commitment Uh, to this journey uh, by engaging in a sustainability or or taking out a sustainability-linked financing mechanism. uh, And that that was evidenced, you know, by the debt facility that we took out. It was a sustainability-linked bond where we had three KPIs uh, that were set uh, with specific milestones over a three-year period. And we felt that, you know, we were being able to be held accountable both internally and externally because this would need to be uh, independently assured and and those were um, c- kind of some of the key drivers and we, we then followed on with another facility uh, which expanded it slightly. I mean we looked at energy, uh, enterprise supply development um, and solar power uh, within these uh, uh, realms of, of our KPIs.
1: Thank you Ishad. Before I move on to Villa you touched on accountability internally and externally uh, would you like to expand on that for a moment?
0: Certainly. I think what's important in terms of the transition to a greener economy, or, or rather um, a transition to a climate-friendly economy, is, is data management, it's data measurement, um, it's data scrutiny. Because um, I think I think this is a, a very oft-used term, you can't manage what you can't measure. But in order to provide these measurements, Um, you know, there needs to be certain processes, administrative processes put in place. So you need to have a specific function that's firstly managing and monitoring the data that's coming through. Secondly, you need to ensure that the data that's coming through is accurate. Um, And and you need to involve your internal audit function. And thirdly, when this data is actually being put out to the market, it needs to be independently assured. So you bring in an independent uh, assurance firm uh, now, to validate that what you 've actually been doing is correct your your processes have been in place, and and that gives both your investors um, and and uh, the the market your 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 institutional banking partners uh, and your own um, uh, organization the confidence that look what you 're doing is correct uh, and you 're on the right path I think it 's quite important um, in in the uh, you know currently what 's taking place where there 's lots of commitments. Um, to sustainability, but there's also a lot of greenwashing, and and we felt that this journey actually enhanced and improved what we do as an organization.
1: Thank, thank you, Richard. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to pick up on what you said of what what gets measured gets done, because that's something that uh, Rela pahilia mentioned in the lead up to this podcast. So, so to turn to you over what what has been your driver from a bilateral perspective in the context of what Ushad has mentioned around monitoring data getting data verification agencies it does seem like a lot of compliance uh, requirements a lot of resources infrastructure etc to put in place uh, the the necessary requirements to comply with the targets or KPIs as Irshad referred to. So what were your drivers and what were your challenges, Lebo?
3: So as, as introduced earlier on, I work for World, uh, which is a company that is listed in South Africa. When, when we started the journey, um, we, we drew a lot from what has happened in our organization. So we, we, I do come from a company that has a long very long history um of what I would coin conscious leadership just in terms of paying attention to the comu- to the communities around us. and in the past ten years um if i if I go there we, we've just put a considerable effort in our strategy just looking for ideas and programs that epitomize the meaning of sustainability and what it looks like for ins- for a South African listed company. By just reflecting on all the communities in which we operate in, um, we we are in Africa, we are in Eurasia, and uh, Africa predominantly in South Africa. So, if 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 I look at all of our sustainability facilities, um, they do exactly that. They they just try and focus on 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 that which we wanted to do. That is derived from our strategy. And I think this is where, when you refer to the data extraction um, and the journey in terms of how we got here. So you can actually see the work uh, that I'm referring to in the past 10 years on our website. Just looking at what our key performance indicators have been and and now continue to be, and and now then are captured um, into our facilities, and um, that we have put forward and, you know, you, you will also see that we, we also have this need to even support social, what we call social enterprises, if you go there. So ESG funding became a very natural lending for us um, just because it, it was just so premised on our purpose, why we wanted to exist as a company, our vision and, and, and our strategy. We, we currently have about four instruments um, that fall into the category of what we would call funding, green funding, and, and sustainability-linked um, funding, uh, being one, the significant mortgage um, incentive on the Balo Park development, um, and, and I think my colleague Ursh will talk about age certification in terms of what then do you do with the proceeds that you receive, and then the, the we've got a loan with three sustainability KPIs, we've got a sustainable, sustainability bond um, with green KPIs, and then we've got um, our gender-linked bond that really became quite popular last year, which is what you've referred to, just because it, it focuses on, on, on the social element um, on the ESG, but also it focuses on gender something that becomes very personal to us when we look at and, and, and we talk about it because it's something that we live on a daily basis. This is really how we thought about the work that we did and how we got to the point in time of just making the decision that these instruments made sense because we needed the money, we needed to go out into the market, but we also needed to make sure that we exist. And we wanted to ensure that um, in our existence, we are able to live in communities that survive. A- and, and you'll see it. There's always a symbiotic relationship between the country which a business operates in and the actual business. Uh, in terms of its success. And and for us, it is a no-starter and it was a non-starter that we actually had to take this journey uh, when we went and spoke to our banks in terms of making sure that we opened the doors and, and we actually allow the public to evaluate us on what we believe is key and is absolutely fundamental and important to us as a business.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, you've just touched on, I think, something we often lose sight of, which is that, you as a business exist in a context. In your particular context, as you rightly mentioned, you exist in South Africa and you exist in certain other jurisdictions as well. But if you as a business ignore any systemic risks surrounding your business, it will invariably at some point affect your business. There's only so long that you can insulate yourself from the world around you and exist in a bubble. So, I think the key that we take away from that is that as a as an organization, this is the vision that you had, and this is what started your journey and At some point when sustainability linked funding uh crossed your path, you realize that it it resonated uh with your objectives and strategy anyway, which which touches on on what Ishad said. Uh, when I asked him the question about his drivers, both Barlow World and Equitas clearly had embarked on a strategy, um, for, for for some I guess somewhat different reasons in some ways, but but often the reasons being aligned. You know, Isha talks about communities around which the business operates and not ignoring those communities on your on the way to your job every day. But but here's a question for you, and I want to ask Ivana this question in the context generally of borrowers. Lebo and Ishov, you've both mentioned accountability a few times, but now you've put it out there on a public platform. You've told the world at large, I have set these KPIs, I will do this uh, by this date, you know, somewhat ambitious potentially. Um, and And if you hadn't done it on such a public platform, Uh, If you hadn't met your own requirements or measured yourself, as it were, uh, the world at large wouldn't know. But now, if you fail to comply with your KPIs, uh, effectively, it will result in certain consequences. The margin adjustment to the pricing adjustment may well be notional and not impact your business tremendously. But the public will be aware of the fact that you haven't complied with your KPIs. What are your thoughts on that? Can I start with Ishad and then turn to Lebo uh and then Ivana? your advice for, for borrowers uh who don't who haven't necessarily embarked on the strategy or potentially have embarked on it already, but now have put their KPIs on a public platform where the public can sit as judge and jury and see how they're performing. So shall we start with you, Ishad? Sure.
0: Thanks, thanks for that question, Koshid. I think it's um It's quite pertinent. So there are two risks, uh, essentially. The the first risk is that by not meeting your KPIs, there's a a punitive economic uh, risk because your funding mechanism goes higher based on whatever uh, reductions or incentives were attached to meeting those KPIs. And the second is reputational risk. Uh, By putting out an ambitious target and going, it said that you haven't been able to walk uh walk the talk uh, as it were and i think and this is quite important in the context of a lot of the hype um, around uh, companies committing or wanting to sound like they're committing uh, without putting in the processes and systems to ensure that they actually meet these kpis and perhaps um, if i may for a short while just give you an, some insight into this on on these kpis usually that you said uh, there are various mechanisms that need to Im- be implemented and need to be measured, as you indicated earlier, the resources that need to be uh, put in place uh, to, to to ensure that the correct management and measurement take place. Secondly, it needs to be organization-led. It cannot be led by an independent department only. You need buying from the entire organization because usually these processes or these KPIs involve multiple areas. In the case of our business, we've set a KPI to have all our new buildings EDGE certified, which means our development team needs to be on board to ensure that every building meets a minimum 20% efficiency and energy, water, and embodied emissions. Secondly, that needs to be driven from our board level, whoever has oversight of that. Secondly, or, or thirdly rather, uh, on our second KPI, uh, which is enterprise supplier development spend, our operations team need to ensure that the correct amount of SMMEs are brought into the program to allow for continuity. We have the MCOR social development program. And to ensure that these um, SMMEs are mentored, they're trained, and given the opportunities uh, to actually participate in, in whatever um, area or discipline that we'd like them. Some of it is usually soft services. We are tending to, move, um, you know, to, to expand the scope of that. And thirdly, in terms of renewable energy, Um, where we've put a commitment of having increasing our renewable energy spend by 15% uh, year on year over a three-year period. Now, for this to happen, we need to identify the right buildings. We need to commit the CapEx to this to ensure that we're putting in the solar to offset um, you know, the, the grid control energy. And of course, that, that becomes, as I mentioned, it's a holistic, it's an ecosystem that needs to develop. And one would term, an env- uh, you know, a sustainability ecosystem within the organization where everybody feels that they are part of something greater and it's purpose-led and maybe touching to, you know, profit people and purpose. so So that essentially is something which is quite important. And in order for the once those are met, yes, you know, you're able to successfully go out and say, yes, we've met our KPIs. And that's just been our experience.
1: Thank you, Isha. That was, uh, that was really insightful. Um, it sounds from your response that you are not remotely concerned about a risk that you would not meet your KPIs and your funding documents because... Those to some degree are ancillary to your strategy, which would exist outside the funding. So from your perspective, if I can summarize, your strategy was defined by what the organization felt was the right thing to do. And so as Equitas, you created a sustainability ecosystem um, and sustainability-linked funding fits into an already existing ecosystem.
0: Indeed, indeed.
1: Nebo, if I can turn to you for a moment uh, to also expand on that. And and when I was speaking to you earlier, you mentioned that it was important for Barlow World not to get caught up in a fad. And and I liked that turn of phrase because it's so prevalent in society that something is, as we refer to, trending today and not trending tomorrow. Um, And of course, sustainability-linked funding and green funding is pretty buzzword at the moment. But as far as as your description went, you said you you paused and you thought about the context of the organisation, you thought about what was important to you anyway, which which talks to your gender link bond, and you fashioned your funding and your instruments, your KPIs and your strategy around what was important to you as a business, uh, as as an organisation in a context of a country in a particular set of circumstances. Um, So, if I have to ask you the question of, do you think the additional layer of sustainability-linked funding with very public KPIs, which are required to report and and, and meet, has influenced your conduct at all? Or do you say that you were on such a drive in any event to get to these particular outcomes that whether or not there were external eyes, monitoring you, you would have still achieved the same results?
3: Thank you, Kirsh, for the question. And it's always an interesting one um, because it's an after, (laughs) after it's been done to actually respond to whether we would have. But I do not believe that we would have been so dogged in in terms of just just the focus, Um, because as you said, and as we reflected earlier, what gets measured, get done. So it's always great and good to put the brilliant uh, documents that we put out there and say, this is what we do um, and this is our vision and, and it comes from a very good place and we have the intention of doing it. But if we do not put the actual measurements um, out there, whether it's internal or external, actually, the pace of doing it would have certainly been absolutely different. So you you know as you as you were talking you 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 asked us to to reflect um and and advise the the corporates that have not started this journey and um the corporates that are in this journey and i think those corporates that are in this journey what i would say to them is um you know th- there's definite benefits welcome and uh, i'll reflect on the benefits later but those that have not started, my my advice to them, and maybe those that are right at the beginning of the process, as they are embarking in this journey, is to silence the noise for a moment and look inside to find what really matters for the organisation. As you said, um, there's there's often, and we've seen it in corporate as well. You know, it's not about clothes only. There's always a fad and a fashion or trend that that that. We are moving towards and, 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 and that investors a punt and, and that put us under pressure. But with something as significant as ESG, we, we need to respond in a matter that matters to our African businesses. And even South Africa, we really need to think about how do we respond to this from a South African context such that we, we change this environment for ourselves and 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 our children, hopefully they, they tend they get to invent, to inherit something that is much better coming from us.
1: Thank you, Lebo. I, I like that. Effectively you're saying, you know, if uh, you have these these targets and you have these objectives already, um, but it almost keeps you uh aware of these objectives constantly when they are being measured externally constantly. So, so it's almost a measure for yourself in a way uh, which keeps you true to your path. It absolutely is. Um,
3: if this wasn't being measured, um, it wouldn't have taken us long to even actually finally get to the process, because the process is long um, and, and to some extent tedious if you haven't done it, in terms of making sure that whatever that you're going to put out of there is actually measurable. Um, and therefore, it must hundred percent align to, to to your vision. And as I've said, but because it 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 aligns your vision and and, and your purpose, it almost gives you a footing into the boardroom of your organization in, in in terms of talking. Because you've said you will say, but we have been doing this in the past. But then when you take that seat, the toughest one is convincing them that it is worth it to open. The curtains, <laughs> and actually let all investors see how you value your your yourselves. Uh, but also, if you do not, they are going to hold you accountable. Particularly being a listed entity, and and with the amount of engagement you you, you have, um, and therefore it is a tough one because the operations are the ones. So all of the executives, all of the particularly the the, the CEOs of, of different operations. They had to really buy in but but also understand the prerogatives and and the measures of this so it was it, it was a long journey just just in terms of selling it forget about the fact that we then had to sit down and and go through the partnership that we did with the financial institution that we had and the other agencies that were giving us assurance that what we were doing was was the right thing but the, the last part that we also need, needed to do in terms of convincing was just to to, to talk about whether. The, the BIPs that you receive are even worth the effort. Um, and, and I think it's, it's something that, you, that that is close to you and you touched on it earlier on. And, and you know, it, it is known that uh, uh, the, 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 the BIPs that you get are by no means even close to what one would call significant. Um, and, and hence, the significance lies in the principles of the why you're doing it. But that said, of course, in the current interest interest environment, every purpose matters. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we would still appreciate and, and, and we will look forward to that. But be, w- once you measure something, I mean, we don't wait for year end to happen. We are now measuring on a monthly basis and we're having conversations. And it's gotten into, it permeated into the organizations in terms of what they can talk about uh, from the measures perspective. So we live in our strategy. And and I think that is one aha moment for me that I have actually seen in terms of ensuring that these are measurables and and these are uh, public and and you are able to have the conversations not only with the senior people, but with all the people in the organisation.
1: Yeah, well, you speak with such passion. It gives me goosebumps, but I'm going to pause there for a moment. I'm going to turn to Ivana. I want to come back to you and Irshad and delve further into this, this the cost arbitrage between uh the margin adjustments up or down versus compliance costs. But to turn to Ivana now, Ivana, you've you you sit in the bank uh on the other side of the equation, you're either lending money or arranging money or arranging bonds, whatever the case is. You've now heard from two borrowers that operate in vastly different sectors, that they were already on a journey um, and it fitted in quite nicely with their own uh, corporate objectives to bring in sustainability funding as as a layer into this. From your perspective, I'd like to understand how the bank approaches two effective categories of borrowers. The one category of borrower is a borrower that is already embarked on a its sustainability journey, um and the other is a, a borrower who hasn't thought about it or has uh has doesn't necessarily have the budget to bring in additional resources and spend to put together this ecosystem as Ishad referred to. How do you go about engaging and convincing and motivating um and effectively landing in a place where you either have a corporate who is on a journey already and has agreed to be measured externally or a corporate who's not on a journey at all. How do you get them to a place uh, where ultimately they are adjusting their behavior?
2: I think maybe just to some points and and to reflect also on on what my, my fellow pandas have been saying on this podcast, you know, effectively... Whilst we do have borrowers with established sustainability strategies I think when it comes to the sustainability linked loan mechanism the targets still have to be calibrated with a level of ambition right and and to the extent that strategies are ambitious that's great and where it's not ambitious I think what's really great about the product as well is that we also have those conversations to say look can we potentially is there potentially space to do more and and that's that's quite important if we look at um the the principles, the sustainability link loan principles, and, and the benchmarking that's done in terms of is this target in relation to the KPI ambitious? So things you, you look at is you know how has the borrower has been performing in the last three to five year trajectory? It's also benchmarking against the peers, and how you know are their targets seem ambitious. And there's also things like the sustainability accounting standards materiality mapping that we look at. And and I think based on that and, and we find the comfort and then we can ultimately, you know, say, look, these are, these are targets, which, which we believe are um, are, are ambitious and, and, you know, not necessarily just um, taking what's there, but making sure that we test it, that it is also, um, you know, valid and, and, and moving things forward. And then you've got the borrowers and where, where you've said, look, they actually are not yet, do not yet have these building blocks in place in terms of a readiness perspective to actually access this this type of funding. And um, the room there then is is potentially for advisory and effectively walking the journey with them to to almost set them up in the sense of these are the building blocks you, you should start thinking about from a business perspective in order to build a sustainable business first and foremost and also then the ancillary impacts of that or the ancillary leverages of that could be the potential to access these these type of markets if a, if, if some kind of strategy and, and vision is put in place at the beginning.
1: Thanks, Savannah. Um, Question for you is, if you came to speak to me, um, I have not embarked on a journey. You put together a sustainability-linked uh, funding term sheet for me and you say to me, if you focus on the following targets, waste, water, for example, and the following social/slash governance. Um, in order to do that, I would need to um hire someone like Irshad, very expensive. Um, we'd need to have a team around him, you would need I need to spend money on um verification agencies. Uh, there aren't that many in relation to certain KPIs like carbon measurements, et cetera. It's a very specialized and, and, and technical area, so there are costs around that. Um, what How do you motivate me to spend that money for a potentially marginal margin adjustment if I do meet those KPIs? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question,
2: and and I think I think we must be careful not to get lost in in the costs, right? And I think it comes back to really Re, point points earlier around the why and the significance of doing this, and and I think especially for a borrower on that end of the spectrum, the starting point wouldn't be to put a, a sustainability-linked term sheet in front of them. I think the starting point there would be around really having that that business-led conversation around. These are the levers of sustainability that you need to start thinking about for your business in order for you to drive revenues, to you know keep your operating costs down, to effectively um, position uh, and, and and build a brand for yourself in the market. And I think that's the type of, of, of conversation and advisory that we'll need at that, that, that phase before we even put a term sheet in front of a client. Because it, it is really important to, to understand the why. And to actually build that business in a manner that can support their profitability. Um, and, and and sustainability is, is one of those levers that will support profitability into the future. And that in turn will enable these borrowers to to, to actually raise more debt and then you know ultimately look at engaging in, in those type of, of instruments.
1: Oh, that makes a, a lot of sense, Ivana. So, you know, before you even get to the funding instrument, you're saying uh what improved uh, sustainability measures can you put in place to increase revenue? And I'm going to turn briefly to Ishad on this point because he mentioned something which uh which corroborates this this position effectively. I mean at the end of the day the why is important, purpose is important, but um as Ishad said to me, profits is one of the three Ps. And Ishad, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned that um, the, the property portfolio that you have, and correct me if I'm incorrectly referencing things, um, are, are warehouses. And so it was uh, effectively easy to a degree to, to install solar panels uh, on, flat, on, on flat roofs. Um, the effect of the solar panels is that it massively uh, reduced uh, the energy costs of, of the tenants or the clients um and and thirdly in uh, in an, in a country that has e- energy challenges uh it was an easy uh an, an easy convincing uh to install these solar panels with your clients so so from a business perspective forget saving the planet perspective it made perfect sense
0: that's correct Thank you, kushit for that. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm going to uh, just touch on perhaps uh, what Avana mentioned, you know, in terms of driving revenues before you even put a term sheet. And I think uh, to your question, you, um, what happens if you have a tenant or, or when in our case we have a tenant or a company that hasn't begun their sustainability journey, they don't know where to begin, they know they have to start somewhere, but it can be very overwhelming because... They faced with the plethora of what is called an ABC soup of different uh, frameworks and uh, GRI and TCFD and you know um, they they in this in this new uncharted territory, and I think this is where from our perspective and uh, we've we've had a tenant who who, are, who find themselves in the same position and, and we felt that perhaps by. Understanding what it is that they need to meet that can be a starting point for them and, and this is what SDG 17 talks about you know a sustainable development goal seventeen partnership for the goals uh, how do we all work together to achieve a common purpose and and this is where we decided to look at other aspects so, so one is uh, um, in terms of energy, but how, how can we take that to the next level so from our side um, we've We've also looked at water. Water is a big thing. It's uh, South Africa, uh, you know, is a water stressed region. And that's, we need to also become a little more ambitious. So we need to move away with the easy wins or the low hanging fruit, as it were, and move to things which we can actually make a difference. And, and then we engage with our tenants. And, and this is kind of, it may sound, but it, there's an interlink here. There's a tenant of ours whose international client um, wanted them to meet certain sustainability requirements one was to have a green certified building secondly was to have a high input of renewable energy okay Um, and and essentially we worked with the tenant for them to actually put these into and and and, sorry thirdly was to be water efficient to put in these measures in order for them to achieve the edge the building to get edge certified We, we literally you know completed their solar installation so they now primarily uh, using uh, renewable energy, and, and the water and energy efficiencies were put in uh, as well. Now, we feel they to their, when they're reporting to their international client, they have a larger chance of getting a contract from this um, you know, international supplier who has their own sustainability goals in a more mature market, uh, to achieve, and that's driven by what their downstream is doing. So so this is where, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a value chain, as it will. And maybe coming back to uh, your question regarding, uh, you know, the three P's. So we've talked about profit. What about people and, and planet? And how do we do that? So we've engaged. We feel that by having taken adopting a stakeholder approach, so we know all the communities that are surrounding our properties and engaging in enterprise supply development, bringing them onto uh, the economic platform and trying to make a betterment. That's one way. Secondly, having purpose for our own team within our organization, um, you know, creates a level of satisfaction and job vocational satisfaction. Uh, Thirdly, amongst our investors that are uh, g- given the confidence that where they're putting their money is being put to good use. Um, and then if we go to planet, what is it that we're doing within this? Um, we've engaged now in a – we've decided let's take the next step. We, we're happy with putting solar within our own roofs, but can we take it one step further and supply the market with energy? And this is something we've done with the City of Cape Town Energy Wheeling pilot project uh, where we participated and we'd like to supply another company who is unable to put solar on their roofs with renewable energy using the city of Cape Town grid. And and maybe sort of just to conclude regarding the the, the cost uh, with with these um, you know loans, uh, Avana and uh, and the other banks are not really giving us too much uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know too many bips, but essentially. Once you begin implementing some of these measures, and you have an efficient product, your product is going to be more attractive than an inefficient product. Because already you're 20%, if you have ed certification, you're already 20% more efficient in energy and water, which means a tenant who occupies that facility is almost assured of a 20% reduction on their bill if it wasn't a building that had the same efficiencies. Of course, operational usage is slightly different, but on a baseline, um if a building is more efficient these are some of the benefits tangible benefits that they're able to uh, achieve uh, for uh, you know for immediately from occupancy
1: thank you for sharing those practical examples Ursha. that makes perfect sense again and it feeds back to what ivana was saying um you know, going into a business, looking at it, seeing how you can improve efficiencies and costs for the business. In any event, absent you know the loftier objectives which we have, and and you certainly seem to to have got it right at Equitas. Yeah, if I can ask you, can you um can you give us some examples of of uh, similar sort of practical cost benefits uh, arising uh, from some of those KPIs? I'm not I'm not sure that you can potentially yours were were just the loftier um, goals of this is the business that we operate in the context of a certain society but if you do have any sort of practical examples much like Ishad had around you know cost saving um, and and other sort of energy challenges that, that you might find in the context of his business do you have some of those examples for us?
3: thanks Kirsh and, and and absolutely um I, I would reflect on on the benefits and and I did promise to come back to just talking about the benefits as I was talking to the people um and the the corporates that were journeying and that were going through this journey and you know I, I liked uh, the reflection where when, when Ishad was reflecting on on investors um that are requiring some of the things from from the, uh, some of the the green requirements from their tenants. But from my perspective, what has been interesting as a journey, um, and and maybe let's just reflect on the journey that we went through uh, after listing the gender bond. Having listed the gender bond, and one of the benefits that I saw was, uh, we have been requested and and we have introduced investors that we never thought we would have attracted um, into into our papers, particularly international investors. Because you know we we listed it, we are listed on the JSE, and it was a JSE listed bond. So we we thought it would attract the, our usual local investors, but for some reason it actually sparked this international um, 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 notion, and we've had international investors requesting specifically to invest in our in some of our papers and um, just only because we had a agenda agenda linked uh, instrument I, I wasn't aware that there's the specific places and societies that specifically look for instruments of that nature and and, and that's really what we have seen um and, and one of the benefits that we have seen in terms of the kind of investors that we are attracting in our society and, and, you know, we've sparked interesting and relevant conversations even locally. Uh, if you go to the United Nations today, they have taken the Balowal case study, and it's one of the case studies that they've put there um, on their website, just as, as, as an example of, of what you would do. Uh, and and we've, we've had conversations with the GSEs. But even international um, stock exchanges like the Luxembourg, has offered our business a, a secondary listing of some of our instruments. So this is something that really opens doors in terms of your ability to do business and even your ability to source money in places that you would typically not even source money from over and above the the, the fact that... Um, when you look at your kpis and and then when you look at the the measures that you've actually put out in 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 your instruments for instance one of the measures that we we've got two measures in the bond uh, in the in the gender bond the first one being that we transform from a female perspective on our employees the second one is that we actually go out to seek female owned businesses and they then participate in our supply chain, a- and you see that um, happening and, and getting uh, and 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 being active um, every single day. But in- interestingly, you also start seeing businesses that are like that reaching out and not you not not trying so hard to look for them because you've put it out there. So so there's a lot of benefits. Um, once you put your 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 KPIs out there.
1: Um, Lebo, I'd just like to pause there and congratulate you uh, again. Every time I hear about the international recognition that your gender-linked bond uh, received, it blows my mind. But you've touched on a really important point, uh, which Isha touched on um, earlier as well, which is which is new sources of funding in the form of investors you would not have ordinarily attracted. In your case... Um, it sounds like certain international investors are specifically uh, mandated to look for particular types of funding instruments that advance certain objectives, in your case, uh, uh, gender-linked objectives. Ishad, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned uh, um, being able to attract investments in the form of um, certain types of sharia funding based on your own sort of leverage so would you like to talk to that
0: i think um as as a as an i mean we, we're a listed entity as well only only a primary listing i think Barlow world uh, you know <laughs> a lot larger than us um but a primary listing or oh, well one listing on on the jse um and based on the type of business that we have we do attract uh, the pension funds and the Sharia investors because of the type of our business that, we, uh, uh, that we're in. I mean, it, it meets the criteria. Um, I think added to that, once you start putting in su- certain sustainability uh, link mechanisms, it opens up, it widens the scope as, uh, you know, uh, Rehlai Bohilia had mentioned uh, to, to inv- impact investors who are looking for these type of products in order to Um, drive returns. And and these are perhaps asset managers who have their own tenants and own pension funds who are asking them to look for these type of places uh, to invest their money. And and I mean, at the end of the day, a return is quite important. And and this is something that investors are always chasing. So if you can give a return while at the same time committing or uh, contributing to the common good then definitely, you know, you, you're going to find yourself in quite, as quite an attractive destination. And then I think maybe then coming back to some of the cost, you know, it tends to, 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 to balance itself uh, off. I think also um, you're finding that in the Sharia space, this has always been a socially responsible investment. It has always been at the core uh, of, of, of Sharia investing. Um, and, and, and this has just widened the scope of what we are able to offer uh, to an investor who's interested in this specific type of product.
1: Thank, thank you, Ishad. I think um, this the panelists have been absolutely amazing uh, in, in deep diving into these issues. And at this point, I would like to just summarize uh, some of the key themes that came through. Uh, I think after I've done this, if I can turn to Ivana, then then Lebo and Ishad to just add any other reflections or insights you've had. Um to start out with, obviously, as a banking and finance lawyer, I'm not ever involved in the call phase of any transaction. Um, Ivana, by the time it comes to me, it is a term sheet. And I'm told to simply draft uh, the agreements that uh, talk to the term sheet. So a bit of a scribe, in a sense. Um, and every time I would draft these funding agreements, it would occur to me that I'm drafting multiple clauses. and, and and uh, requirements in relation to reporting etc and then I look at the margin and the bips are so small that I have to keep reminding myself it's 0,0 something and I always I've always wondered what has driven it but from what what you have said and Isha, and Lebo there's a whole journey before it gets to the term sheet and the journey involves a number of things the first thing is uh, looking at your, your business, your own objectives, and it could, from a profit perspective, um, sustainable objectives can improve efficiencies, can be cost savings in the end. So when you look at the the margin adjustment or the reduced margin for me- meeting KPIs, you can't look at that in isolation because you have to look at all the other cost savings that led to effectively meeting those KPIs. So sure, there may be some compliance requirements, but as Irshad says, you know, you've saved on your electricity bill, you've potentially saved on your water bill, etc. Um, the second thing is, uh, is that it attracts investments and investors from alternative sources which you would not necessarily have recognized initially um lebo has managed to to gain the attention of the international platform international investors uh which can bring in more equity into the business so you can raise funding or raise capital in ways other than debt for example uh same with Irshad and the the sharia funding uh that can potentially come in through alternative sources as uh, as opposed to funding as as we all know the challenges around earning interest on a Sharia funding instruments. So this certainly provides an attractive alternative for Sharia-focused investors. Um, and effectively, it you can't look at that little snapshot of a picture of where it ends being the sustainability link loan and the, and the margin adjustment. So my sense of being jaded, I I now humbly. Uh, acknowledge comes from being able to see a small piece of the puzzle and and thanks to the three of you, I certainly can see a bigger piece of the puzzle i 'm not sure that I see everything yet Ivana, but it certainly um is inspiring the work that you do and um and organizations like your uh, Equitas and and boiler world level you 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 're changing the world and you 're making money while you do it. Um, so, so I would say that 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 would be my reflections of 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 the the knowledge and the insights that you have imparted. Um, I'm going to turn to you now, Ivana, to share anything that you have have um, been able to gain from from this podcast.
2: Thanks, Kasia. I think that's a that's a really great summary and. Uh, the the only addition uh, I would add is is around governance, and I think we we, we probably didn't touch on it a lot, but through this process and through this embedment of sustainability, I think that the governance also follows that because we've heard about you know the processes that need to be in place, the systems, and really tightening up on on this impetus of of sustainability, um, which 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 I think is is fantastic, um, you know I think. We've, we've also been on this journey as a, as a borrower in the markets. And I, 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 I do echo the sentiments of Bishad and, and, and Lebo in terms of their experiences. And I think, yeah, the more we can all do together, the idea is to unlock as much systems value as we can and really continue, at, at certainly from a net bank perspective, to use our financial expertise to do good. Um, so thank you for, the, for this opportunity and for this podcast.
1: Thanks, Ivana. Ishard, over to you. Uh,
0: thank you very much, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. I think, uh, you know, you've summarized it quite well, as Ivana has mentioned. And I think, uh, uh, you know, Ivana also touched on quite an important point in terms of governance, uh, which is quite important. Um, and, 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 and the more accountability and the more KPIs, and I think as the market matures in South Africa, it's, it's a lot more mature in, uh, you know, in Europe in terms of sustainability-linked finance mechanisms, um, almost $3 trillion US at the moment, uh, forecasted to grow by 20%. I think we're going to see a lot more regulation come through in the South African market. Already as a listed entity, the JSE has uh, put out its sustainability disclosure guidelines as a framework. Um, you know, in order for, for listed companies on on how they have to report, what they have to report. And I think that's just going to start adding a lot more uh, momentum to what we're seeing uh, currently in the market.
1: Thank, thank you, Rishad. Lebo, over to you to round up. Thank you,
3: Kesh. All well said. The only other advice I would give to those that are in this journey is choose your partners very well. Uh, you will need lawyers like yourselves. <laughs> You you need financial institutions um like Havana. Um just just find partners that are as passionate about your instrument as you are, particularly on the underlying value that you're driving in the instrument because it, it just makes it just so much easier. And you also just need your your second party assurance partners. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Lebo. I think, I think that's a really important point to, to end up on. You're not alone in this journey. Effectively, you succeed um, as a community, as a group uh, and choosing the, the right people to help you to achieve your objectives is really important. So, so thank you for that last key insight. Um, and thank you for all of you for your time. Uh, keep, keep saving the planet and thank you for all your efforts in this regard.
0: You have been listening to Webber Wenzel Legal Insights. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms. For more expert legal insights and updates, visit WebberWenzel.com.